You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute if you're still going to work, hopefully. Uh, Or if not, just, you know, listen to us anytime during the day. You can follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Just subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Uh, Good Monday to you after... uh, a unique Easter weekend, probably, uh, I mean, the most empty churches have been on Easter uh, probably since, uh, I, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what since before we were even a country, I would imagine, was the only other time you could uh, compare. Because, you know, in, in 1918 with the Spanish flu, where they actually did ask people not to go to church on Sunday, but that was in like October that we saw an article somebody tweeted from the Courier Journal in 1918 asking people to stay away from church. But um, everyone found a way uh, to do it in their own way outside of those people who still, you know, did go to church in person. Uh, but we, we won't get into all that. Uh, we're going to talk Kentucky mainly today. Uh, for the first two segments, the third segment is a Locked On NFL Draft special. So Locked On, you know, the network that we have of all these podcasts, well, the NFL guys have done a mock draft. Uh, it's pretty unique. It's not like they're saying, okay, this is who we think that the first pick will be or who we think this pick will be or who. It's not quite like that. It's more like uh, guys that uh, that do each podcast. So for instance, the guys who do the locked on Bengals podcast, it's their pick. They're the first pick. Who are they picking with the first pick? So on and so forth with every other NFL team. It'd be like if um, we had a college basketball draft and all the, you know, Kentucky had the fifth pick or whatever, it would be like us coming on the big show, the mock college basketball draft and us saying who we would pick. So that's kind of how it's done. They put a lot of time and effort into it. Uh, should be very interesting. But the third segment of this show today is going to be part of that uh, Locked On NFL Draft special that's going all week long. So to give you a little taste of it, to check it out, uh, if you're interested, you're a big NFL fan. But we're going to start with um, Emmanuel quickly. We'll also get to uh, John Calipari's conversation with Mark Cuban. Uh, first, Emmanuel quickly, the next one, no surprise there. The next uh, Wildcat to say he's entering the NBA draft and staying. So Ashton Hagens, Tyrese Maxey, and now Emmanuel quickly. Yeah, it's uh, the mass exodus is, is uh, very much in progress. Now they don't have any um, any of the big guys back. I mean, the, the backcourt back from last season, including Johnny Juzang, that's four. Uh, all four guards who played any real minutes are gone. Uh, makes Davion Mintz a massive addition now. I mean, and it it's, wasn't this didn't catch the staff by surprise. That's the reason they went and got Davion Mintz. But uh, I think it's a tough one for a lot of Kentucky fans who are happy for Emmanuel Quickly. He's such a cool success story. Uh, five points a game as a freshman, then jumps up and wins SEC Player of the Year. 
as a sophomore. Uh, there's a, a huge sense, I think, in the fan base, probably in Emmanuel quickly, certainly in the coaching staff, of just sort of uh, the the lack of satisfaction of the conclusion of the season uh, because Emmanuel quickly, if they were going to make a run, you knew he was going to be a big piece of it. He was so yeah. clutch all year, all those clutch shots that he hit, all the clutch free throws that he hit. Um, I think he only missed one free throw all season in the final three minutes of a game where they were within two possessions of the opponent or in overtime. Um, yeah, it was a shame score. not to get to see his clutchness at the end and the team's free throw shooting at the end of games. I mean, that was something uh, that you were kind of looking forward to, to see how that would you know help Kentucky uh, in these games or how it would affect it. Yeah. I mean, that's their backcourt was one of the reasons, even with Ashton Hagen's struggles, like, Guard play wins in March, and they had as good of a group of guards as anybody. And Johnny Juzang starting to hit shots at the end. Um, you know, Maxi was, I think, really starting to round out his game. Um, you know, and so that's all gone. I mean, you just we're, we're never going to know what that backcourt would have done in the postseason. They didn't get yeah. one, um, and so I think that that is hard for people. And, and but they're happy for a guy like Quickly when you know his story and his background. Um, you know, you know, he's was such a good representative of the program. They were, you know, about as good as it gets in terms of knowing that everything Emmanuel quickly put out there publicly, behaviorally or uh, vocally was going to always be the right thing. Um, I think he really endeared himself to the fan base. And so they're happy for him. I think they were desperately hoping he'd just sort of out of loyalty to the college experience, maybe come back. Uh, you know, and I did an interview with his mom where, she gave some reasons to be somewhat optimistic because they had at least considered, you know, this is kind of the special year they could have if he did come back. But the facts are he probably was not going to replicate his sophomore season next year at Kentucky. And that has really nothing to do with him, uh, more the circumstance. They've got BJ Boston, Terrence Clark coming in. Those are two arguably top five, both top 10 recruits overall, both explosive players, uh, gifted scores on the wing Emmanuel quickly was not going to be asked to score like he was on this year's team uh, and where they did need him and where he could help himself by coming back would have been to move to point guard but that might not have gone very well I mean he's not a really even though he did he was ranked as a point guard and, and played point guard in high school he's not going to probably be uh, you know a tier one point guard uh, and so he could have yeah. gotten expo- exposed playing that position uh, instead well, plus of playing the role six where he freshmen, was... six freshmen plus Keon Brooks and Dante Allen, there's eight and quickly makes nine. Um, it probably wasn't going to be where he played 35 minutes a game, you know? Right. You know, exactly. Exactly. I mean, he, he may not have gotten the minutes. Um, he wouldn't have had the same role. He wouldn't have been asked to score as much. And so then does he really help himself? I don't know. I, I, it's easy to say if you come back another year, you'll help yourself. You'll help your stock. And that's not necessarily true. <laughs> you know, this is yeah. a bad draft. The next draft will be better. Uh, the next draft will be loaded because it is more than likely going to be the draft before the draft where guys can come out um, straight out of high school. And so more guys yeah. are going to go into the into next year's draft so that they're not competing against the elite high school guys the following year. Um, 
And so there's a lot of factors. You can't just go, oh, you come back, you get better. Well, yeah, that's a nice thought. Like, And probably he would have been a better player, but might not have had a better year and might not have improved his draft stock. So he, he knows he's going to be picked now, almost certainly. Second round, yes, but he's probably going to get picked. And so he wants to capitalize on that because there's nothing guaranteed about what would happen if he came back. So I, I get his decision. I think it was the right decision, but it does – it does make official that their entire backcourt starters and backup uh, all gone. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to discuss um, John Calipari's conversation with Mark Cuby, that uh, Mark Cuban, that series uh, coffee with Cal on Facebook uh, started today, Monday morning, some interesting things that were said there. And we'll discuss it next when lockdown Kentucky continues. At Buffalo Trace Distillery, the world's most award-winning distillery, see 200 years of bourbon-making history in action. Smell the mash cooking, touch the charred oak barrels, aging in century-old warehouses. Hear tales of bourbon legends, Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee, and taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest continually operating distillery. Experience a tour for every taste. Buffalo Trace Distillery... When open, offers six unique complimentary tours seven days a week, year-round, like the popular Trace Tour, or see Bourbon Pompeii and walk through history on the E.H. Taylor Tour. When Buffalo Trace Distillery reopens, visit the world's bourbon destination, Buffalo Trace Distillery. To learn more about the distillery's history and spirits, visit buffalotracedistillery.com. And then if you mention you heard about Buffalo Trace Distillery on the Locked on Kentucky podcast, you get 10% off merchandise at the gift shop, of course, Buffalo Trace Distillery, one of many, many businesses across the country that are not open, not deemed uh, essential businesses at this particular moment. But of course, when the restrictions are lifted and we are able to get back to some sort of normalcy after this pandemic uh, quietens, quiets down a little bit, uh, then Buffalo Trace Distillery would be a great place uh, to, to lift your spirits. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. And John Calipari and Mark Cuban spoke this morning uh, via video on Facebook. And John Calipari is going to have, I think, 20 uh, weeks of this every Monday at uh, 1030 in the morning on Facebook Live. And I think... Um, it's a great idea because it gives people something to, to look forward to and watch. And I thought it was very interesting listening to the two of them talk back and forth. Uh, we'll start with one of the things uh, that John Calipari kept asking Cuban about uh, was just, you know, the draft and the NBA and, and what's going to happen. And Cuban was basically just saying, we, we just don't know. We just don't know anything. But, um, you know, Calipari said, what about if players could just put their name in, like, you know, say EJ Montgomery and let the draft go? And if EJ is not picked, let him come back. And this is the time to try new things. If there's any time to try different things, new things, this would be the time to experiment, given, given the situation. And Cuban said he's always been in favor of allowing players to stay in the draft. And then if they're not drafted, going back to to the school. Um, but Cuban also added that he would like to see three or four rounds instead of just two rounds because he said now with like this two-way player contract and rosters of 17 players, uh, as soon as that draft is over, 
that they're scrambling. Uh, and he said, there's a lot of chaos to go and get um, another player for summer league and to sign to two way contracts uh, and add more players to your roster. And he was kind of saying, we would call and say, Hey, if you don't wind up getting picked, we'll make you the 61st pick. Uh, and so he would like to see it expanded to three or four rounds, which would definitely uh, be promising for someone like EJ Montgomery. If he had that to look forward to. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I love that. Cause then it's like, Oh, it, it, it makes marginal guys who aren't going to make rosters think I'm a draft pick. And also it takes, yeah. it also takes some freedom away from players because you know, if you're going to be a late second round pick, you'd almost rather not get picked and be able to pick your destination. Um, however, uh, I am very sorry to interrupt this line of uh, discussion with some awful news. Uh, oh no. The Timberwolves have announced that Carl Towns mother passed away due to complications of oh. the coronavirus. Oh and, my goodness. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, that is heartbreaking. And and we discussed on here uh, and everybody has seen that he, he posted a video a couple of weeks back, I guess. Yeah. That she was uh, on a ventilator um, and like fighting a medically for induced coma as well. Asking is people that right? to, uh, yeah, in a, in a medically induced coma. They, they basically do that with anyone that they ventilate because it's, I mean, you don't want to be, you do not want to be awake uh, uh, when you get intubated. But uh, so I don't know. Um, you know, if she ever woke back up or not, uh, it's just heartbreaking one to lose your mother. She was not an old, old woman. She was a, a young, uh, lady, uh, met her, uh, wrote about her, sat with her, uh, watched her even after they were at Kentucky, just, she was a very joyful person about life and about her son. She was very proud, obviously of Carl. Uh, and a huge, I mean, a huge part of his life. Uh, if you, I can think back, if you go back to um, watching Carl's Gatorade National Player of the Year, I think it was National or State Player of the Year uh, speech um, when he was in high school, he like was moved to tears talking about his mother and his and his father and, and their impact on his life. So, and they were young parents. So this, this, this is just kind of hard to fathom. It's very sad. Uh, I don't know how you cope with that. As, if you're Carl, his, his parents weren't ill. They weren't elderly. Uh, they were many, many years from uh, having to, you would think from having to worry about losing your parents. So, And they were awful. very present in very, his I mean, life they, with the going to games. There, and They were there all the time. Uh, in fact, his parents were at, I went uh, and talked to them. Um, Gosh, was it? A, I think it was the Houston game last year in the NCAA tournament. Uh, what city were they in? Kansas City. Uh, I believe that's where they were. Um, I can't his parents remember. came to a Kentucky game. Uh, I mean, they were still coming to Kentucky games. They um, they were a big part of the Kentucky community, a big part of Carl's life. Just it's just super, super sad. And uh, every day, someone gets sick or dies that everyone knows and has some connection to uh, from this thing. And so I I hope people will continue to take it seriously. Uh, (laughs) You said we were going to avoid going in on people that were still gathering and I won't go off on that, but just, you know, whatever it is you want to do or believe you need to do, even church, if you're going to put the person on the pew next to you at risk of dying before they should die, it's not right. 
And uh, mm, I don't, let's yeah, think. Of, not. Let's think of other people. Uh, think of Carl Towns. Uh, it's I. I just man, it's sad. I feel for Carl and, and thinking of him, thinking of his family. No doubt. And he's you know, in, in this particular time where where we're all staying home, you know, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough on him for sure. Wow. Well, um, yeah, that's, I mean, think about that. Like she died without her son. Well, she died without her son or her husband or her family around her because you can't be right. in the room yeah. with, uh, well, really with anyone, no matter what you're sick with, but especially with this virus. Um, and th- the thought of that, of not being able to be there and hold your mother's hand. Um, and you can't have a funeral right now. No. Um, I just, it's it's awful it's awful it is awful all right well we um we must continue with this podcast to 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 wrap it up here uh and just uh wrap up that that mark cuban john calipari conversation because the biggest thing that came out of that was a discussion about kentucky and indiana a game um not necessarily renewing the rivalry but at least a game because Mark Cuban is an Indiana alum and essentially he said, I will figure it out uh, for Kentucky and Indiana. But he, his thought was how about Kentucky and Indiana being the first game to get college basketball going again for, you know, when they're able to play uh, even if it means with no fans uh, and, and John Calipari was more in favor of, especially with no fans, but uh, Cuban wanted to do it in Bloomington or Le- or Rupp Arena. Um, and Cal was like, I, yeah, with no fans, I'll go to Bloomington. No problem. But Calipari kept saying, well, what about, you know, Dallas, your place? And Cuban was more in favor of, well, given our situation and stuff, you know, long distance travel is probably not great. What if we got on a bus that was super clean and we knew our, uh, kids were um, healthy and could travel to, to go do this, and we don't have any fans, and it's just essential people only, and it's the first game of the next college basketball season just so that we can put it on national TV, and Cuban's like, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll get <laughs> the TV that I need to get. I will do what I have to do to make this thing happen. And Calipari sounded open to it said, well, yeah, we'll discuss this um, more. I mean, I could even foresee the way they were talking something to where it's a, an exhibition game that's on national television. That doesn't even count, but it's just something there uh, for entertainment to get you know, college basketball kind of kicked off again. Yeah, I would be – I'd be all for it. I don't think, I don't think it's as important to Kentucky as it is to Indiana. Right. Uh, I've said this for a while. I mean, Indiana doesn't really do much for Kentucky. Uh, it would certainly elevate Indiana to, to get that game. Um, yeah. Uh, but people would get excited about it. I mean, it's an old, it's an old rivalry. I and mean, we talked about the Joe B hall, you know, crazy yeah. quotes and all that rivalry he had with Bob Knight and ending their perfect season. Uh, and they had some wars and obviously the 20, 2012, uh, regular season craziness and then meeting again in a great sweet 16 game. Like people care, even if, even if Indiana is relatively irrelevant right now, um, as sort of a national game to put together, 
there are some better options out there for Kentucky, but people yeah. would get excited. I mean, this is a regionally very important game. And even to Kentucky fans, they would get excited. So I'd be for it. I think anything yeah. we can do, once we figure out when we can have sports again, any kind of anything we do that's an exciting matchup or event is going to be bonkers. Everybody's going to watch it. Everybody want well, if they can will want to go. Oh yeah, that'll be great. And well, and I think it takes a Mark Cuban getting in Calipari's ear and coercing him and persuading him for it to happen because I think Calipari's definitely moved on from it where he's like, hey, I offered them two games in Indianapolis and they said no. So after that, I'm done because he's even made the comment along the lines of we don't need to help Indiana's program. I mean, we, you understand that we're in a position that if we play you in a series, we're helping you unless you are right on our level, unless you are Kansas, unless you are Duke, unless you're Michigan state, um, then, you know, there's no, we're helping you. You have to understand we're helping you. So I'm going to help you. Not if you're going to, um, turn down an offer to play twice in your state, then no. I mean, what else do you want from me? I'm not going back to Bloomington because it was crazy over there. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that for any anybody. I'm not. I'm just not going to do it. So uh, he had definitely moved on from it. Uh, I even asked him about it uh, the last time I interviewed him, which I can't remember when that was, but it wasn't too long ago. Um, right before the season, I guess. Yeah, it was right before the season started. And he said, yeah, I'm never going back to Bloomington. And we've moved <laughs> on. That's what he said. I've moved on. Um, so, it, like I said, it takes a Mark Cuban to kind of spark that fire uh, for this to actually happen. So, all right, there was uh, – that was about it. I mean, I mean, it's good to listen to. There was some other stuff like Cuban for president and uh, Cuban dropping some tips for you on what the types of industries that he's looking into – uh, looking forward and looking past uh, when we when we get through this, so that was interesting. If you're you know into investing and looking to get rich, uh, but that was that was about it. It was good listen, um, good entertainment for this time of of no sports, because uh, Calipari to me is always entertaining when he when he gets going. It's always entertaining to listen to him. For sure, but uh, we'll be doing uh, three podcasts a week instead of five. Just as a reminder. So we will talk again. Uh, our goal is to do this again on Wednesday. So we expect to have another Lockdown Kentucky podcast, our next one, on Wednesday. But uh, for now, we'll say goodbye as you, uh, as uh, our portion anyway, as you get ready to listen to the Locked On NFL Mock Draft. Uh, and that's, that's the third segment of this Locked On Kentucky today. So that's coming up next. They've been playing the game their entire life. From the playground. I promise to exercise and eat right. Don't forget 60 minutes of play a day, right? I'm playing the NFL. Yes, sir. I'm addressing number one. Maybe. To their high school. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's go. To the university. We have 95 players here. So accomplished as athletes in high school. We gave them full scholarships to the best football program in the country. Now, their lives are about to change forever. You become your mom's favorite player? Whoa. This is Locked On NFL, and this is the Locked On Podcast Network Mock Draft.
Welcome to the 2020 Locked On NFL Mock Draft special. Brian Peacock here alongside former NFL scout Matt Williamson. We will take you through the first round plus in a network-wide mock draft. All 32 teams represented, even those without first-round picks. Hosts making picks for the teams they cover. Our friends from the college side of the network with profiles on each one of these prospects that get selected in the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special, why they are considered worthy of first-round selections, and analysis from my co-host, Matt Williamson, as well as draft dudes Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, and the Locked On NFL Draft crew, Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak. If you're listening to this kickoff episode on a team-specific podcast, you can follow along all week, every pick, throughout round one on the Locked On NFL channel, teams are talking trades, so you may not know exactly where your team ends up selecting. We'll conclude this draft next Friday, checking in with those teams in round two who didn't select in the opening stanza, some of which might jump into round one before it's all finished, and recapping everything that went down all week long. Matt, I'm pumped. Are you ready to do this thing? I'm very ready to do this thing. This is a very cool event. I think people will enjoy it. We've had so many new subscribers since last year that didn't get to enjoy it. So you're in for a treat. You're in for a wild ride and a really well put together whole situation here starting right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was one of the most popular. It was the most popular show on the NFL side of the network last year. And I expect it to be even bigger and better. And the way things are right now in the world and wherever you are listening to this podcast, I hope you are well. And I hope this is something fun for you to listen to all week long. Matt, as the Cincinnati Bengals go on the clock with the opening selection in the Locked On NFL mock draft, you've been through this. What are teams doing in preparation the final days and minutes leading up to the first pick for those specific teams? Well, this year, who the heck knows? I mean, <laughs> I'm sure that there's things like, you know, the, the, the electronics or the, or the IT people are coming to everyone's homes to make sure everything works, checking, double-checking, doing all that kind of stuff. We mentioned before, you know, maybe you could run mock drafts in terms of let's try to just do a, a whole walkthrough basically of how this thing's going to work. If we're going to make a trade, who's in charge of calling this team, et cetera, et cetera. But honestly, in olden, in the olden days and the not 2020 draft, most of the hay is in the barn really a day or two before the draft. I mean, you might be calling – agents of your favorite people to make sure that prospects didn't fall down the stairs or that knee that you're worried about isn't <laughs> flaring up. But for the most part, things should be done a couple days before the draft. Let's check in with some of our analysts here on the network. We have a pair of NFL draft shows, draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Dudes podcast. And let me just tell you, as a couple of Draft Dudes, we are really excited for this Locked On Podcast Network draft simulation where each host is going to make the picks for their team. And uh, I know it's not the real thing, but it's pretty damn close. And this draft promises to be very exciting with all the dynamics between the teams with multiple first-round picks and all the quarterbacks. So, Kyle, uh, I'm sure you're just as excited as I am. Yeah, the big mystery here is, from the quarterback perspective, how many can we get to go early? And then the other fascinating subplot is, when does the offensive tackle run start, and how fast does it go? Because there's generally considered to be four top offensive tackles. 
there's generally considered to be three top quarterbacks, maybe a fourth with Jordan Love if he sneaks in there, remains to be seen. And the order of all seven of those players who are feasibly top 12 talents coming off the board is going to be a really interesting scenario to see how it actually plays out here. I think just as interesting as the offensive tackle discussion is the wide receiver. Everybody knows this is a really deep and talented crop of receivers, but there's really exciting guys at the top of the board. You know, could we see six, seven, eight guys go off the board in the first round? When does that run start? And uh, who are those late first round guys that uh, teams that, you know, like the Packers or or like the Saints and Eagles and, and Vikings? Who do they get if they are uh, left kind of picking the later half of those top tier pro- prospects? So uh, offensive tackles, quarterbacks, wide receivers, the NFL is a passing league. And you can tell that this um, this draft is going to really help these offenses be more dynamic. Yeah, it's a deep class, and we're going to have a lot of opportunities to see players that in a typical class are probably off the board by 20. They might be lingering here in the late first round, early second round. So lots to look forward to, lots to get into. Looking forward to see how these teams start their drafts. Hey, everybody, Trevor Sykema and Benjamin Solak from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast here with you. Excited to go on this journey of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. Ben, this is going to be a lot of fun. There's so many things that could happen in this mock draft. What are you looking forward to most? Yeah, it's always nice when you're able to get 32 guys, each of whom knows their team as well as the host in the Locked On Podcast Network do, and they can control for their pick. And then you have the freedom for things like trade negotiations as the pick comes off the board. You have the ability for surprises as each individual analyst focuses on their guys. I think, number one, we're not. it's not going to be a typical mock. It's not going to be like what we no, see definitely when not. only one person controls all 32 teams. There's going to be a lot more aggressive moves, so I expect to see big trade-ups. I expect to see surprising picks, yep. and that's, that's the reality with these. When you're controlling just that one team, you go and get your guy. That's what we see in the league. I guess that's what we'll be seeing in this mock as well. I'm really interested to see how the offensive tackles go here in the first round because – it's just the possibilities are endless. We saw that in our guest mock draft series that we're doing on our podcast. But, I mean, what other positions are, are big ones? Quarterback, wide receiver, probably, right? Well, I think, yeah. I think that when you're making these sorts of picks and it's it's catered to your audience for your podcast, you're tempted sometimes to go for those sexier positions. And the sexy position in this draft is undoubtedly wide receiver. So, to me, I'm really interested to see. We know the big three will come off the board and Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs. Who's wide receiver four? Who's wide receiver five? And just how many can we fit in this first round? Ooh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Ben and I are going to be back with you recapping a lot of these picks throughout the mock draft. I'm very excited, so let's get it started. Okay, Matt, we're here. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Is there any doubt what the Bengals should do here? They earned the right through their poor play in the 2019 season to be drafting number one overall on everybody's list. It seems to be the same name, the same prospect, That should go first overall. If their phone is ringing, should they even be answering it? Or do they know who the pick will be with the first overall selection in this draft? I mean, you answer it. And if someone offers you a Godfather-like offer, you consider it. And you still might not even say yes. I mean, I think Burrow is the super prospect. He would go first in almost every draft, you know, nine out of ten years. That's a gift. And the Bengals need it. He's an Ohio guy. They need to sell tickets. They need to sell jerseys. The offense that he falls into isn't in that bad a shape as first overall selections go. So I think it's kind of too good to be true. 
All right, with that, this draft is underway. Let's go to the hosts of Locked on Bengals and get the pick for Cincinnati, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. With the first overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals easily and without second thought select Joe Burrow. In fact, Joe, we received no calls in the war room for the number one pick. I guess everyone just knows not to ask. And I don't think we would have considered any offers anyway. So we make this pick. This pick has really been made since maybe late December when the Bengals lost to the Miami Dolphins in week 16 of the regular season and clinched their first overall pick. Joe Burrow went on a tear in the playoffs after that. And the Bengals will finally get a franchise quarterback. First time they've drafted number one since 2003 when they drafted Carson Palmer out of USC. They're in that position again. The roster has been turned over on the defensive side through free agency. And I think they're looking at this squarely of saying our Super Bowl window opens again if we draft Joe Burrow number one in 2020. That's right. The Bengals don't just spend money to spend money. This is a strategic injection of funds into the defense to make themselves competitive while they have Joe Burrow on his rookie deal for five years. He's, of course, expected to come in and be a day one starter in Cincinnati. Andy Dalton is still on the roster, but will not be on the roster by the time training camp comes around. He might not even be on the roster by the time the draft is finished. We are looking openly to trade Andy Dalton for whatever assets we can recover. And if that doesn't work out, he'll be cut before Joe Burrow shows up for rookie camp or for the first offseason activity that we're allowed to hold with these rookies this summer. Joe, how much better does Joe Burrow make this team? Well, the quarterback is the most important position. And I think we're looking at a guy coming off a historic college football season that many have said is the best passing performance throughout a whole season in the history of college football. What does he do better than Andy Dalton? Andy Dalton has been the Mendoza line for starting quarterbacks in the league for a long time. And I feel like all of the skills you look for typically when you look at college quarterbacks, usually they are the big guys with the strong arms going near the top. And you say, can they function in the pocket? Do they have accuracy? How's their IQ? How's their processing? Uh, How do they do off script? All the questions you normally go into tape asking with Joe Burrow, those are all the answers you have with him based on tape and based on what he showed this past year. All of those things are not in question. He has them in spades. It's the arm strength, right? That's the only area you really question. And I would say it's very similar to Andy Dalton. So it should be an upgrade in almost every area of quarterbacking other than that. And that's okay because when you look at the best quarterbacks in the league over the last 20 25 years, whether it's Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees, they all had those other features in their game without having a cannon for an arm. Simply put, Joe Burrow is the most influential recruit in LSU football history. In leading the Tigers to the 2019 National Championship, Burrow was fantastic, shattering school records and setting national marks that may not be touched. 5,671 yards and 60 touchdown passes for Burrow while completing 76% of his passes. His arm strength won't wow you, but Joe Burrow makes up for it everywhere else. His decision-making is elite, just six interceptions on the 2019 season. He's the son of a coach and a film room junkie. There's a story about LSU beating Alabama 
getting back to Tus- from Tuscaloosa to Baton Rouge. And when Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator, got to LSU football ops that night to go get the cutups of the film, Burrow had already beaten him there. Burrow has very underrated athleticism. Not only was he a high school quarterback, he was also a high school basketball player. And his ability to move the chains with his feet is something that many have overlooked throughout this process. Burrow is a fierce competitor whose teammates love him, who rises in the biggest moments. Should Joe Burrow stay healthy, he will have a long, prosperous NFL career as a franchise quarterback. This is Matt Moscona of Locked on LSU, your source for LSU and SEC content every day. All right, Matt, there's the pick. Joe Burrow goes number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, and there's a lot to like about Joe Burrow. I think maybe if you're nitpicking, you can find some knocks here and there about arm strength, which in some cases is completely overrated, and uh, I I like what was said by many smart NFL people in the past that the quarterback position isn't so much played with your arm once you get to the NFL level. It's played from the neck up, and I think that's where Joe Burrow really shines. Yeah, absolutely, and he he is a good athlete. He has a remarkable head and poise and confidence for the game, processing, accuracy. He does not have a power arm, and that worries me a little bit considering the area of the country he's going to when it's sleeting and windy and you know in the NFC North and late in the year. We'll see how he deals with that, but that by no means would slow me down from making such a pick. He's a tremendous prospect. More Locked On NFL Draft special coming up. The Washington Redskins are now on the clock with the second selection. Be sure to check out Locked On NFL all week long. Episode 1 featured picks 1 through 6. Episode episode 2 features picks 7 through 13. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday with Locked On Kentucky. Hope you enjoyed uh, today's show. Go listen to NFL Locked On NFL right now. Tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NFL. We will talk to you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R, and Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right, guys. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.